0: Hello, Kira Dyer here. Welcome to episode four of Loving an Addict. This podcast is inspired by a great loss, our daughter Emma who passed away from an accidental overdose. Our desire is to spread awareness, love and hope to also help those who are striving to love the addict in their lives because we know that that person is so much more than just an addict. Hi guys, welcome to episode number four. Babe, four. Four. Four is a big number.
1: Can't no, believe not
0: really. <laughs> we're here. We raised four girls. Wow. Oh. And four...
1: Fingers on each hand. We have five. Well, thumbs aren't fingers. Oh. I don't know. Oh. Oh. Fourth of July. Oh, well, fourth of July.
0: Mm-hmm. It's past us. Yeah. So four
1: score and seven years ago.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: He was my favorite president that wore a top hat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as he was mine, as well.
1: Uh RIP Abe. Anyway, here we are. Here we are. Week four. Week four. Okay, what are we talking about today,
0: babe? Well, this is going to kind of be a heavy week, to be honest. Okay. This week will have been six months since we lost our Emma Grace. So it's kind of heavy on our minds. But then this episode kind of brings us to her last week, which of course was extremely difficult. So where do we begin?
1: Well, let's share a little bit of the experience and then we'll launch into the other stuff. Okay. Anyway, the the morning we found her, we had been on a walk. And by the way, we highly recommend that all of you couples walking in the morning is really good for the relationship, by the way. That's not even in our notes. It's not, babe. So for those of you not watching at home, I just winked. For what it's worth. And we had been discussing that morning the plan for the day because she was supposed to get on a plane and go back to treatment. And so we were trying to schedule what was next and then
0: what? So I went up to wake her up to have her get ready. She had a suitcase kind of half packed. And so I went to wake her up and she wasn't waking up. She I'd really labored breathing. It's kind of weird because I look back and think, my first thought was, oh, she has a really bad cold. Like, that sounds really raspy. You had
1: gotten out of the shower, gotten dressed, and then I jumped in. So I didn't know what was happening at that moment.
0: Right. And then I was kind of shaking her and was like, Emma, Emma. And with no response. And so then that's when I knew that this isn't good. So I called down and was like, Duffy and Sophie was downstairs. Well, I
1: was in the shower. And so I didn't hear anything. And then I was listening to a podcast in the shower. And then you called me and I thought, well, that's bizarre, you know, that you're calling me. Yeah. And you said, you know, get up here. Yeah. And then I I don't think you knew that I was in the shower at that time but I hopped out, I started to get dressed and then Sophie came in was like, "Hey, you need to come upstairs." Yeah. And I knew right away that it was bad.
0: Yeah, so I don't know, we don't care to spend too much detail on the rest of the story. We did have to call 911 and they took her to the hospital. She ended up in intensive care unit on life support. And then a few days later, we got the news from the doctor separately. We talked about this on Tony's podcast, but Duff had gone back to shower. And so I was there by myself and the doctor decided to just launch into these are the
1: results from the MRI.
0: And we see that there is too much brain damage to sustain life without life support. And anyway,
1: I knew when we saw her was an hour or two after they took her connected to all the machines. Like I knew that, that that was probably it. Like I just knew it. And so the information didn't surprise me. But the reality of it was crushing.
0: Yeah, it it was a lot, of course. I mean, if anybody can just put yourselves in our shoes in that moment, it was really hard and really heavy. And yeah, I was th- I was thankful that we got concrete evidence. I had been praying before that. Just let us know one way or the other. I didn't want them to come back and say, We don't know. We're just gonna have to wait and see. I I was really scared of that to just be in this middle land of not knowing. So I was grateful for that, but of course it was crushing and, you know. it was devastating. I lost it and crumbled on the bed and and then.
1: You called me right away.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then was it four days later? She peacefully passed away.
1: She was an organ donor. And so we learned some interesting things about what that means. Today isn't about that, but that certainly influenced our decision as to like, when to instruct them to pull the tubes and whatnot. And so we waited a few days so that friends and family could come and say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Right, which was actually as much as it delayed the inevitable, it was still nice to be able to allow or provide that for those that loved her and that she loved, yeah, including bear <laughs> yeah,
0: sorry, like, I had to interject
1: a little humor because my like, wife is tearing up, <laughs>
0: tearing we took the puppy let's lighten this up a little bit, yeah, she was obsessed with our dog bear and. By obsessed, I mean she would leave a couple days and would ask for videos or pictures. Please. Send me a it, video. What's he doing? <laughs> doing
1: now? We're like, he's laying around taking a nap.
0: Could I, can I FaceTime him? Like, That's what dogs do. She was literally obsessed with him yeah. and would get emotional just the idea of anything happening to him or him dying. And so we knew that there needed to be a farewell. So we just said a little. We, we told d- a little fib to the hospital. Fib.
1: Yeah. So Told everybody that he was her service animal. <laughs> so my wife knitted, you know, a sweater that looked like <laughs> a vest that they're supposed to wear, and I put all my old Boy Scout patches on it. and
0: Yeah, that and, works. And it
1: uh, was sufficient.
0: We literally just brought him in. Had a friend bring him in and, and let him uh, The things you like do for your bit.
1: kids, right? Anyway.
0: It was very sweet. I thought it was fitting and necessary, so everybody even the family dog got to say their farewells so anyway then we launch into life without her like how do we you know what does that look like and you know how do you how do you keep going
1: i don't know somehow you do it's been 6 months and of course people are very considerate and thoughtful and for the most part. And even now when they say, Hey, what's it like? How are you doing? That kind of thing. What it feels like is I've lost an arm and every day I'm reminded that it's gone, but I can still, for the most part, do most things that I had always been able to do, but am now learning how to do some of them without my arm which is hard
0: we talked about in the beginning how weird it was when we would do normal things and then we would ask ourselves how are we doing this like how it felt weird and it felt Mm. sometimes wrong like how am i out and about and for me the first things were always the hardest like the first time i did things
1: Mm.
0: like the first time i attended church was hard the first time I went to the grocery store, was...
1: Or saw your friends outside of the the hospital. Yeah, the first time you
0: see people that really mean something to you for the first time was...
1: Like going back to my team meetings, you know, meeting with my team was really bizarre. Because you just know, you look into people's faces and their eyes, and you can just see the pity,
0: I guess. Yeah.
1: It's attempted empathy, but it really is mostly pity, which I don't like.
0: Yeah, You know, cause it, I don't want to be pitied. Yeah. It's hard. Cause I get it. I get that they're feeling, they're putting themselves in our place and thinking, Oh my gosh, if that how, were me. how do you do that? So I think that's, what's coming across their face, but you're right. It's like, no, don't, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't give me that look. Just, just be normal. Just hug me. And it's like,
1: you can't be normal, you know? So no. we, we get it.
0: Yeah. I, I remember the first time I went to the grocery store, I just needed a few things and this is something essential. And yeah, I could have, had it delivered or did you think oh this is good i need to get out of the house and i remember being in the produce and being looking around and being like how come everybody's normal why what are you guys doing yeah why are you guys acting normal why are you guys just picking out produce like it's no big deal and I just stuffed down a lot of tears and just barrel through and just be like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, and then lose it in the car. <laughs> so there was a lot of those moments that you're like, oh, I think I can do this, and in the middle of it, you're like, no, I can't do this. This, this is too difficult. But along those lines,
1: Babe, go you, ahead. you've been awesome. <laughs> yeah. You too, babe. You've been incredible.
0: I think I think we both have been, you know. I don't know, it's nothing you I'm just way more emotional this time, but you know it's nothing you want to go through, but for sure, the hugest biggest blessing is you know I thought we were close before and had a good relationship. It doesn't even compare to where we are now and that has been the biggest blessing that we have been on the same page. And when we're not on the same page, we get back on that same page pretty fast, really quickly, and are able to give each other grace and and just keep moving forward and and growing closer together instead of farther apart. Because I know that there will be some listening to this who know examples, or maybe in your own life, where it will tear people apart. This deep grief, but that will forever be the biggest miracle and the biggest blessing through all of this for me.
1: So go ahead and take this time to to, to share with America, how awesome I am.
0: (laughs) I'm going to go get a tissue and you're going to talk about how awesome I am.
1: (laughs) Well, my wife's amazing. So there she goes today. What we wanted to focus on today, the grief portion of it, because it wasn't that we just lost Emma physically six months ago. Looking back, there was a lot of loss over the years, in a way. Yeah,
0: to explain that.
1: Meaning, especially when everything came to light when she was still set at barely 17, junior in high school, it was this bombshell of, hey, I'm involved in a lot of really scary um, self destructive yeah. behaviors and addictions and things. And there was this immediate feeling of, oh my gosh, we've lost our child as she was as a as a kid or as a child, like I felt like it was over.
0: And also what hopes and dreams we had for her, those were like, oh what oh yeah that the future felt uncertain. It was like, and-
1: oh so The chances of her going to school maybe are over. The chances of her finding a spouse. It was a lot of things that just instantly were scary. I feel like without really realizing it, we were grieving a lot over the years. Yeah. Especially the relapses and then back to treatment. It was like we lost her again and she'd come home and then we'd lose her again and then she'd come home. And so there was a lot of that.
0: Yeah, and during that time, Duff was a lot better at this than I was, but I had to wall my heart off, which I know that that was, like, for me, necessary to just kind of carry forward.
1: It was how you protected yourself.
0: Yeah, I like, protected my heart, but I hate that I had to do that. I'd, I'd look back and wish that I was capable of not doing that. But, again, just like I give you grace and other people grace in this grief process. I have to give myself grace and it's, you know, but it's a process. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, I think it would be helpful for those to know things to avoid when people are grieving and things that you can do or things that you can say.
1: And, And people grieve for a lot of different reasons. I think what we're gonna share doesn't just have to be the type of loss that we've experienced. It was quite tragic.
0: But there's like divorce and things that all of those things cause, cause
1: grief, any type of major loss in your life. Even if it's your grandparent that's 90 and it's expected that around 90 (laughs) you're going to lose people that's, there's still losses there and there's grief that takes place and it comes and goes in crazy waves. And I think everybody can identify with that.
0: Yeah, I think so, and I think this list that I created, that's on our Instagram for this loving an addict. But I also feel, I, I don't know, I felt these stronger than you did, I believe. Yeah. In different ways, but Uh,
1: let's call it what it is. Most of my conversations were with men, not women in general, and a lot of your conversations were with women, and women, bless them. Do try and be, and say helpful things where guys are kind of like,
0: Phew. love you bro. Love dude. Don't know to say. Or, yeah.
1: yeah. You want to go play golf? Dude, I don't know what to do. do you, can I give you a hundred bucks? I didn't hear too many.
0: Which is a little bit ironic because mostly men want to fix things. They want to be fixers. But I think in this case, women wanted to either give words of wisdom or give little sound bites that would fix the grief or help the grief. And in reality, sometimes that was, or even try and minimize
1: the grief. Right. And I wouldn't suggest that because no one can do that for you. Right. So what are some of the examples that you wish wouldn't have happened?
0: Yeah. So something that was hard for me is when people tried to make the relationship with Emma bigger than it actually was that just felt very painful to me, talking like they were closer than they actually were. So just make it real, just be real. And you can say, I didn't know her well, but I love you guys, and I'm thinking of you, the end. But also saying nothing is hurtful.
1: Or like literally pretending like nothing has happened. is Yeah, like plastering a smile on your
0: face and just acting like everything's normal and, and not say, hey, I'm thinking of you at the very minimum feels, Dismissive feels like you, you didn't notice this huge gaping hole in my chest. That's how it feels. That's how it feels in public too, which is really strange Mm -hmm. with strangers. You're like, why are you acting normal? Like I said, in the produce, don't you see this huge gaping hole in my chest? That's so obvious to me. Why isn't it obvious to you? But that's on another level.
1: My suggestion, and this is what worked after my mom passed 10 years ago, was to ask about her what did you love about her what were some of the amazing things tell me about her or it just
0: tell me a story. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that was actually really helpful because some would do that. Some would say, my gosh. And, and there were people who were really good about it when maybe we didn't have the best relationship or we didn't know him very well. And they'd say, you know, she did this for me once. And yeah. sometimes it was sweet little notes or, text messages or voicemails or
0: active service in some way.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's a handful of stories that came out of the woodwork where I was like, wow, I had no I idea. The, yeah. And those things were helpful. But the, they, they those don't make it harder. They actually make it not easier. They do make it better.
0: It's, it's good to hear. And I think we think it's better not to talk about it. Like if we, are with somebody who is grieving in this deep way, we're like, well, if I don't bring it up and I don't talk about her, maybe it will be better. But the opposite is true. We want to talk about Emma. We want to talk about how wonderful she was and the beautiful voice she had and all of, and even our grief and things that happened and led up to her passing. We want to talk about those things because it's cathartic and it's helpful.
1: Which is also why we're doing this, And I do,
0: I do think that's why we were led to do this as well. So it's partly selfish in us kind of talking stuff out, but our, our greatest hope is for others to be like, Oh my gosh, I felt that way too. Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing that to light or letting other people know. Another hard one was don't talk about how weird or hard it is that they're gone because we think that 10,000 times a day. There was a few people who were like, oh, I just thought how weird it is that she's gone. And, and I, I wanted to shake them and go, yeah, 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 that's my daily life. So don't bring that up. Also bringing your heart to to us, to through the grieving. I think sometimes people think, oh, if I tell them that I'm going through something hard or I lost somebody that I loved or that will be helpful or I can relate or they can relate to me, but it's actually heavier because people would bring things that were hard and I'm like, Oh, I can't take that right now. I can't digest anything that you're doing. That's hard because my heart is so hard. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, if there's someone that I'm extremely close to, that I have a lot of history with, that I have just a lot of history and love and compassion, them bringing some of their heart to me binds us together. And so use your judgment in that. Don't do it with someone that you don't know well. Saying things like "she's in a better place" is very antiquated, I think, because it's like, yeah, we know she's in a better place, but we want her here. So I think it's again, it's people trying to minimize. Well, at least she's in a better place, or at least she's not hurting anymore, or at least stating you know, the obvious never helps. Yeah, yeah, in, like, in
1: any situation. Yeah, like we you know we're actually we we have a lot of peace about where she is now we know that we know that the suffering is over and we're grateful for that. No question. Mm-hmm. We just don't need people to remind us of things that we already know. Just yeah. be, I'd rather have people be really authentic and like the stuff that we've already mentioned.
0: Right. right. Yeah. And there are a few things that were are dues in my mind that were helpful when people said like, you've been on my mar- mind and heart, just give a hug and just say, I'm going to hug you every time I see you. My favorite thing about the loved one is, and be sincere, don't make it grandiose, don't make it bigger than it was, just be like, you know what, my favorite thing about Emma is that she was so quirky and loved to wear funny things. That, that's sincere and that's awesome. And we like that. It's also okay to say, I don't know what to say and I'm a little bit uncomfortable and I don't wanna say the wrong thing. That binds me to that person because it's sincere and it's real and it's authentic. I also appreciated, how are you today? Like right now in your last, how are you today? Mm -hmm. And then just listen. Because a lot of times there will be normal conversation and all you can think about is this grief and how heavy it is. And all you want to do is talk about that and your daughter. And this was also really big for me is what miracles have you seen? That, that that's so to me, like validating, like, tell me, the miracle you've seen, tell me the tender mercies you've felt. And if it's a person that you can open up to share those things. Cause that's awesome.
1: Or even asking, Hey, would you be willing to share an insight? Would you be willing to share something that you have felt that has helped you or that you've learned or right. that kind of thing?
0: Yeah. That's also helpful.
1: Or, Hey, what specifically can I help you with today? But right. is there something specific that I can do instead of, Hey, well, if you Let need something, know. I'm here. Like we're not going to call you, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that's just, you know, just how people are. We're just yeah. not going to reach out. You Maybe know I mean? give
0: ideas. You know, can I walk your dog? Hey, I'm out to the grocery store. Can I pick something up for you? Those things are just very specific where you're not calling up and saying, Hey, I need you to go get me some milk or whatever it is right. and ask to do things. Do you want to go on a walk? Do you want to go to lunch? Those things are also very helpful. This is just for me, maybe this isn't everybody, but if you have a desire to send things, send a healthy treat. <laughs> all the all the good stuff with all the treat sweet treats were so nice, but it becomes that's all you have in your kitchen and it's like I just want something nourishing and healthy and that's going to be good for me. That was a little bit hard for me because there were treats everywhere.
1: It was like Costco in our kitchen. <laughs> it
0: was so we,
1: we had to give away so, so much. It was so
0: sweet. You know? It was so sweet. And on that same note, if you still... You know what? Just
1: Venmo money from that one. <laughs> you need my Zelle number? <laughs> I have cash pay. We have PayPal.
0: <laughs> PayPal. That's so antiquated. <laughs> hey,
1: I still have a MySpace account. Okay? Oh,
0: man. And then just two more of the dues. Just like if you have a desire to send something... Weeks or months later, sending flowers or something like that is also very thoughtful because that's happened to us. That's the only reason I'm saying it is I'm like, oh, it was very, very thoughtful to send a random gift. And it's like just, we
1: got socks in the mail.
0: It's just so sweet. Whoever that somebody is. Somebody was like, I think you just want
1: your toesies to be cozies.
0: <laughs> your feet to get a hug or I something. I made that up. That's you know. cute. That was good. And then,
1: and then uh, we got a uh, blanket from somebody.
0: Said so the same thing. This yeah. It's just a giant hug. I, I suspect for they're from the same people, the same person, but mm. but so, so sweet. Just just thoughtful this many months later. Yeah. To... Like it
1: just happened this week.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was very sweet.
1: By the way, Pro V1 golf balls would be much <laughs> appreciated. <laughs> if those just happen to randomly show up, I'd be like, <laughs> Oh, jump into Jehoshaphat's. What do you know?
0: (laughs) How random. How did that happen? Hey, how'd you know I needed
1: a hug from Titleist? Oh, by (laughs) the way, that's our sponsor today Pro V1. If you don't look good, we don't look good.
0: (laughs) Did you just make that up?
1: I think that's Vidal says soon, actually.
0: (laughs) Whoa. There you go. Again,
1: MySpace account. (laughs) (laughs) Share about the Mel Robbins idea.
0: Okay, one more thing on the dues is be aware of the anniversaries, you know, the anniversary of the death and the one who passed away their birthday. So people who you're really close to be aware of those because those will be hard days for, for the loved ones that are left behind. Yeah, so Duff mentioned this podcaster that I've been listening to for a while. Her name is Mel Robbins. And she said something in her podcast that really stuck with me and helped me kind of figure out what my head is doing in the grief. So she had a doctor on. She said this to break it down and dumb it down. I'm going to dumb it down for you because I need it to be dumbed down. She's Is...
1: dumbing it down for me, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> so there's two things. So let's start with a real everyday occurrence. So let's say something happened at a friend's house and I come back and I tell Duff about it. That experience is put away in a file cabinet under something funny or joyful. My brain has been able to put that in the right spot. So when I take it out and I say, hey, this is what happened, and I might laugh even because it will remind me of the story. And then that file folder goes right back into my brain. Just picture these cute little people just putting files in the right file cabinet. That's what I did.
1: You have little people in your I have brain? I little people Finally? in my brain.
0: I do. We all do.
1: I feel like i got elephants <laughs> running around up there.
0: Maybe yours are elephants.
1: I want some Oompa Loompas in my brain. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun?
0: That would be fun. Mm-hmm. It is. So it's happening. In my brain, it's happening. So let's compare that to a traumatic event. So when we have trauma, our body basically goes in fight or flight to save us, to keep us physically safe and emotionally safe. So instead of those little people putting the experiences in the right file cabinet they all go race to help your body goes to help race to fix you and your brain is like ah this is an alarm going off there's something's wrong that you've experienced and this is really big so all those experiences and the emotions and everything that happened to you within that trauma isn't filed in the correct file cabinet so there's chaos and that's why it's so heavy and you don't know where to put things and you don't know where to make sense of what happened. So she gave some really good advice. So six things real quick. I talked about, I have some regret about blocking my heart off. And there are some regrets and things that we did in her whole life. And maybe the last month or so of her life, we have some regrets. And sometimes people have that it turns into shame. So she said, put that in a box and close your eyes and just imagine it's on a high shelf. My holistic doctor said something really cute. She's like, put it in a hot air balloon basket and just let it go up to God and let God do it with it. And it's
1: that simple.
0: (laughs) I wish it was that simple. Okay, bye.
1: (laughs) Bye, horrific memory. Have fun in God's house.
0: But I love that. I mean, I love that if we have regret and we have shame or guilt or whatever it is, that's not serving us right. It's not helping our file folders get organized and us to make sense of what happened and us to process it. So she said, That's the very first thing you need to do is you need to find a way to get rid of it. So the visual was helpful to me. She said, Every day you need to narrate the events. I thought this was a little hard. Oof. So that's why talking about it if we if you remember Duff and I have been very vocal to each other be like I need to talk about this part of the story again and I need to hash it out so we can get each other's perspectives and but she suggests writing it down.
1: Yeah, if you're so I've been a very communicative human my whole life. Yeah. So talking about stuff good, bad, ugly is just my in my nature. I know most men especially are not
0: I like to keep it closer to right. And so
1: if you're that way, a great way of communicating this is journaling it, just writing it down because there is still this cathartic kind of release of the emotion and the feeling and everything that's wrapped around the experience, right? There's all these different feelings and emotions, that are hard to explain at times it's anger at times it's confusion at times it's agitation at times it's frustration and so leaving it stuffing it down it's going to come out at some point right like it's going to
0: and it's unorganized Mm -hmm. right because we're not getting it out so
1: I do like the idea of writing it down because then you can organize it in a way you can go back and be like hmm
0: I was frustrated here. Yeah, and maybe
1: even kind of reorganize those thoughts that have been written down in a
0: way. Well, an energy healer once told me that it's good to just barf it out on paper in a really primitive way. With your write it with your right hand, write it with your left hand, even color like get a box of crayons out and color how you feel. And that was all I've done that in the past as well. That. Are you laughing? Just
1: just like take a black crayon and just (laughs) scour the page.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's helpful too, because you're not worrying about spelling. You're not worrying about how it looks. You're literally just getting it out of your body. And so that's what she's saying here. So narrate it every day. That's really smart. Yeah. And she even said that if it's something so traumatic, I think in our case, it was complicated because it was more than a week, but there's no way of us processing day by day. We were in survival mode. So I think ours was a little bit more complicated. It wasn't one event that happened one day or even a couple hours. It was over a week. But this doctor had said that it's good within four to 24 hours to process a traumatic event. So the sooner, the better. Talk about it. Whatever it is you're experiencing, you need to get it out as quick as you can.
1: Especially if you have someone in your life that you know is completely non-judgmental and
0: just wants to listen. And we'll
1: literally just listen and not judge or immediately throw advice or suggestions or tell you stuff that you're not ready to hear or that you don't need to hear. Right. So if you don't have anyone in your life like that, the journaling, I think would be the next best thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think
1: so too.
0: The third point she made said was you're not broken, which I loved this. I think that as we are processing everything and we feel so helpless and so dark and so lost. We're like, I, I'm broken. I can't, I can't repair myself. She's like, you're not broken. And thank goodness we live in a time. Think back at both world war one and world war two. They didn't know anything about PTSD. And so when men would come back with severe PTSD, they're like, what's wrong with you? I just
1: thought they were crazy. Yeah,
0: You've lost your mind. Mm -hmm. And now, luckily we know how severe all of these traumatic events can be and that if we're not broken. It's just our body and our brain trying to figure out and process all of it.
1: And you know, what's cool about this is you don't have to experience the, the death of a child to identify with trauma.
0: Oh, everybody we, has. To, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's one of the, you know, frailties of life. That everybody experiences, and so part of this is it applies to everybody, yeah. regardless of if you've lost a child or not. You have
0: uh, experienced. You've trauma.
1: experienced trauma. Yeah. It's part of it. So it's a great way to process your own trauma.
0: She talked about this cool study, and I'm going to link the show in the episode in my show notes here. But she talked about this study done with people who had witnessed a terrorist attack and half the group got just medical attention, and the second group got medical attention and talk therapy after. And they were 80% less likely to get PTSD, the ones that got talk therapy in the emergency room. So that goes to show you how vital it is to do it right away, to talk through it. I just thought that was really impactful. The other thing that was really empowering to me is, she said, you have control over your nervous system. It's kind of like you're not broken, it's like, I have power over it. So my talk therapy isn't working. I need to go figure out something else, EMDR or holistic foot zoning or journaling. I mean, there's, if you dig into this, there are so many avenues that you have control over it. You can say, I need to heal and I'm going to keep trying things to heal my nervous system, to get those files in the right file cabinet. And then she said, listen to your body. She said, sometimes you'll be around people that are like, kind of make you uneasy. And this could be with the modality of what you're trying to do to heal in your therapy too, or in your grief. You would be like, uh, this person isn't helping me. They're not helping me progress and helping me move forward and helping me heal. So listen to your body, listen to what your body's trying to tell you. And And then what
1: do you do with that person? You just punch them in the neck?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would like to do that
1: with a... Right in the neck, flesh.
0: <laughs> there's a few people who have said some extremely insensitive things to me the last six months, and I actually would love to do that. Can I just.
1: Nice pile that I have into the face.
0: <laughs> Punch that face. I would never do it, but there's times when I would Oh, I would.
1: I was... <laughs> just tell me who it is.
0: <laughs> I wish I was capable of that, but.
1: You do not.
0: No, sometimes when you're really angry, you're like, would I feel better? No. no. I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't. And the last one she said is you have to remember that you can't not feel. Was that a double negative?
1: Everything we're doing lately are double negatives, Kira. So
0: I think it's fitting. <laughs> Just remember that there it's not a possibility to not feel your feelings. Doesn't mean you can't trauma.
1: control it. It doesn't mean you can't manage it. Right. it, it what it's saying what she's saying is it's impossible not to feel anything from it. Right. It's impossible.
0: Yeah. And, you know, past generations were like sweeping under the carpet. Don't talk about it. Shh, mm-hmm. This is our business. We don't share it with everybody. Mm-hmm. So luckily we know now it's better to share. It's better to get it out. She made an interesting point. She's like, we never question joy or even like nervousness or like scared. We never question those experiences and we let people talk about it all they want. Oh my gosh, my wedding. Oh my gosh. I was really nervous because I almost ran into a deer when you made
1: me go skydiving. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
0: Traumatic, but we question sadness and we squelch it and say, Oh yeah, that's sad. Anyway, we don't want to talk about it too much because that would upset somebody, but you gotta do it. You have to talk about it. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's good advice, huh?
0: Well, I loved it. I'm going to, like I said, link the show notes. It just was very, very helpful in my brain to figure out what is happening in my brain.
1: Mm-hmm. But that's it. Kay. I think
0: that's all we got. We
1: went long today.
0: We did go long, we and did. that's okay. There was a lot of good stuff, hopefully, that's helpful for people who are grieving. Mm-hmm. Next week, we have a special guest. We are
1: bringing on a special guest.
0: And we're very excited about it. And we're just going to leave it there. Mm -hmm. And we're going to leave it hanging. So you guys have to check in and find out who the special guest is. But that'll be our first guest on the podcast. And we're excited to have her. And don't forget, there is always, always hope.
1: And there's always, always help.
0: As always, we wanna take you out on a recording of Emma singing and playing the piano with a message that we believe she would want you to hear.